Welcome to Soundpost, dedicated to exploring the meaning of concert music in today's world through conversations with its leading artists. I am Carlos Miguel Prieto. And I am Raul Gomez, and our guest today is the award-winning, internationally renowned composer from Mexico, Gabriela Ortiz. Gabriela, ¿cómo estás? How are you? Fine, 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 and thanks for the invitation. In the very uh, long and fabulous music world, uh, music history of Mexico, we have had great composers, uh, great communicators, uh, a, a long line of very esteemed Uh, figures and you know maybe starting with uh, figures before Manuel Manuel M. Ponce, Carlos Chavez, uh, Silvestre Revueltas, Jose Pablo Moncayo, Mario La Vista, Federico Ibarra, etc. 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 And today uh, there is this essential voice in Mexico which for me is as essential as the names that I just listed, as essential as Chavez was in his time. That's how I consider the importance of Gabriela. Uh, Gabriela is, uh, we're not going to talk about age because she is extremely young um, and she is extremely young in spirit and her music is uh, vibrant. But I simply do not know a composer in my time who is so capable of writing music that is uh, combined with rhythmic, marvelous atmosphere uh, with orchestral color that always makes me think of Dutilleux, Messiaen, of the great French composers, but an individual voice that Gabriela has found that if I hear one chord, Or if I hear one phrase, I know it's her. And this is something that is absolutely unique because that means that she has found a voice of her own. And to tell people just how successful Gabriela has become just over the last couple of years, she has been commissioned by orchestras. Uh, let's just cite one and one conductor, L.A. Philharmonic and Gustavo Dudamel. And Gustavo, I think, is as enamored with you as I am uh, in a musical sense. And uh, so that tells you uh, her reach, but she's also been played and recorded by a dozen orchestras just over the last year. Uh, I have been so lucky to commission a few pieces by Gabriela, few pieces that have become part of my DNA that I know from memory <laughs> that I've performed and recorded. And I think that uh, Gabriela is really one of the things that all Mexicans should be proud of uh, and all musicians should be proud of. In what refers to Gabriela's association with Orchestra of the Americas, uh, in the tour of Mexico, which was last year, her piece, Ominum, uh, a shortened version called Ominum Suite, was performed um, maybe eight, I don't remember if eight, 10, 12 times, but everywhere we would perform it, it would cause a complete uh, commotion and exhilaration. Uh, 
and in places that were as, let's say, sophisticated uh, as Salane uh, Sawalkoyot and as new to music as somewhere in uh, San Luis Potosí or uh, Monterrey, Guadalajara, where we played your pieces. So thank you for joining us, uh, Gabriela. And I just want to ask you a few things about how you started in music. What made you become a composer? Well, you know, I, I grew up uh, listening to music um, since I was, well, since I, since I remember, actually. Uh, my parents, uh, they found a music group called Los Folkloristas, and uh, the group was founded in, in, in the 60s, in 64, actually. They have my, my, my year of birth. And the, the group, I mean, the mission of this group was to promote the music, the folk music, not only from Mexico, but from Latin America. So in, in one hand, I, I start, you know, playing all these instruments uh, from different countries, like, you know, this little guitar that it's called charango, that it's from Bolivia and Peru, or playing the guitar or playing the bomba, which is a drum from Argentina or Chile. But also my father, he's a completely classical music listener. I think that he, he's a very cultivated man. He's an architect, but he loves music. So besides I was listening to this wonderful, um, um, uh, way of, you know, listening to all this music from all these countries, I also listened to Beethoven, to Mozart, to Mahler. My, my, my father is a total, Mahler's lover. So I grew up listening that kind of music. And also my mother, my mother, she, she played the piano and she learned piano and, and she was a very good player. She was a very good side reading. Uh, but, you know, obviously, you know, she didn't, didn't do it this uh, professionally, but, you know, she, she was a psychoanalyst. But, but she played the piano, so the piano was also there. So I have a, I have a piano and, you know, and I, I grew up listening to Cricri, which is a fantastic composer. I love his music and I think he's one of the best composers for music for, for children. So I, I, you know, music was always there in my house, always. And then, um, I was very lucky because I studied in a, in a very progressive, uh, elementary school that was founded by this Spanish uh, professor that came with the Civil War, came to Mexico, Jose de Tapia. And he found this school, and this school was very open and very open to art. And so, so in that sense, um, I had the opportunity to, to learn music with Mario Stern. Mario Stern is a, was a composer. But it is, this is a, a very important anecdote because he probably is the one that introduced me to the crea musical creativity. Because I started learning the piano at some point, you know, said, Mama, you know, I want to play the piano. I mean, I love folk music, but, you know, I, I, I would like to play the piano more seriously. And, you know, my parents obviously agree with that. So they immediately they found a piano teacher and I started reading music and he introduced me to the to the musical creativity. This is very important because for the first time he asked me, why don't you create a melody? Why don't you create your own music? Why don't you play instruments and create your own rhythms? And wow, for me it was just really fantastic. Immediately I organized 
a group in, in the school and organizing all the students and you have to play this rhythm and you have to sing this melody and you're going to play this chord. And immediately I discovered that I could imagine music and I could create music. And I think that I was like 12 years old at the time, but I immediately realized that that was my, my main thing. I, I, I immediately understood that piano, of course, was, was important to me, but I didn't want it to be a pianist. I wanted to be a composer. And then I, I start, you know, continue my studies with Maria Antonieta Lozano. She was a fantastic teacher and she explained to me how the harmony works. And, and with that knowledge, I started, you know, writing very, very simple scores, you no, know, for piano. Very, very simple. And then one of my main uh, in discoveries at that time was Bartok. I started playing the microcosmos and for me it was totally a new way. I mean, it, it was a, it was a, it was a window to introduce me to the 20th century music. And, and it was just fantastic. I mean, to, to start playing all this music in 5-8 and all these incredible rhythms and, you know, discover all different scales and, mo and mo modality and, and wow, I said, oh, you know, this is, this is a totally different way to see music. It was like a new window to, to the 20th century music. Uh, it was important to me, and 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 because of that, I started, you know, writing all these little piano pieces at that time, and and that's it. I mean, I I love Bartok. Bartok is always in 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 in. When I compose music, I think that I have like two different, you know, uh, composers that are behind me. Bartok and Stravinsky in one side, and the other is is the French uh, music, which is you know uh, obviously Debussy and, and Ravel and and when and and Carlos Dottilleux and Messiaen. But I think that Debussy and Ravel are always there. I love their music. I think that those are my four favorite composers, probably. At the time, Gabriela, were you also listening to any Mexican composers or, or Latin American composers back in those days? Yes, I, well, you know, I, I started studying music formally with Mario La Vista. He was my main teacher and as well as Federico Ibarra. And Mario studied with Carlos Chavez. So I, I immediately, because of Mario, I started, you know, listening to music of Carlos Chavez, Silvestre Revueltas. And of course, I felt a connection immediately. No, I love Roberta's music. I think that Sensemaya is a perfect piece. It's so well done and, and, and it, it has the right duration. It has the, the, the perfect construction and it's so powerful and, and so personal. So obviously, yes, Revuelta for me was a very, very important example how to be Mexican, but how to be personal and, and how to, to become universal at the same time. No, those three things. I'm I'm wondering, you know, when you talk about composers in the European tradition that you liked and that you like, you know, such as the French and the and, and Bartok and others, did you find any connections in style with the music that was being created in Mexico by these composers, such as Revueltas and Chavez and, and their students? 
Well, I have a. Co- I think that there is a connection with, especially with Bartók and Stravinsky, with probably este revueltas, no Stravinsky uh, more than Bartók, I guess. Uh, but also Varese, I think I found connections with with revueltas. I don't. I, I don't know if Carlos agrees with me, but I think that Planos has a. The beginning of that piece has a. Reminds me immediately some pieces by by Edgar Varese. Uh, so definitely there is a connection there. And I think there, there is also a connection with Ginastera. I mean, I think that those composers have influenced uh, Ginastera or, or some pieces by Villalobos, but certainly for, with Ginastera, I think there, there, there is a connection there. Um, with French music, I'm not really sure. I mean, I, 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 the reason that I connect with French music and especially with Debussy and, 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 and Ravel is because the, the color, the, the, the color in, in, in the whole sense of the word, uh, in the, the, the orchestration is just fantastic. I mean, Ravel is one of the most uh, <laughs> incredible uh, composers for orchestra. I mean, it's unbelievable what he can achieve with the orchestra. And, you know, the, the orchestration, the color that he could get, uh, but also the harmony. The harmonic color for those composers are so important that, uh, that at least to me, immediately takes me to, to a different level. Uh, and, 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 I, and I feel a strong connection because of that. So people believe that my music is very rhythmic, which is very rhythmic, but also I have this other side of that, you know, that I love, you know, music that is ethereal and, and has these harmonic colors and uh, subtle orchestrations. And probably then I have this connection with these French composers and this French tradition, because if you hear the music of Messiaen or if you hear the music of, of Dutillet or the music of Kaya Saria, I mean, she's from Finland, but she has a very strong influence from these French composers. I mean, this, you know, color and this sense of harmony is, is still there. I agree with you, Gabriela, per, uh, completely that, that uh, Revueltas has a uh, Stravinskyan in influence and a Stravinskyan uh, flavor uh, and, uh, and also agree with uh, the fact that the French have this command of orchestral color in a way that reshaped music in the in the uh, in the twentieth century, and it, it continues to be shaped by them. And one of the things where I see the the influence of these two waves, let's say the wave of um, uh, folklore, rhythm, uh, popular music, uh, in, in popular and classical music. I see that influence in you very clearly, uh, coming through the composers that you talked about, Bartok, Stravinsky, Revueltas, but I also see the, the French in your use of color and of logic, um, form. And why do I say so? Because, and I hope we're not getting too technical here, but one of the marvelous things about Debussy or about Messiaen is the fact that their pieces have such an inner logic. It's not just a, it's not just a string of beautiful melodies and beautiful colors, but sometimes everything comes out of one chord. 
or one connection of 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 sounds and this for people who um, are interested in poetry is also something that is uh, present in the great poets and i want to cite from the piece that we talked about ominum ominum uh, suite the fact that other than having an incredible um, rhythm and an incredible energy and incredible color too, the logic that comes from building the whole uh, piece from the opening chord is to me wonderful. You know, I spend so much time analyzing scores and your work always has this inner logic. And, and that's something that uh, I think you may have uh, received directly from Mario La Vista, because Mario uh, is someone who asks of himself and also of, of his students to actually have this inner connection. Uh, and for, for, for a listener, this is perhaps something that you cannot grasp uh, uh, immediately, but that has a, that works uh, very well in music. You cannot understand why, but when a piece has good inner logic, it becomes a great piece rather than a good piece. Uh, so can you speak a little bit about the importance of building a piece through something that has logic rather than something that just goes on and on? Yes, I know. I totally agree. I, 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 you know, I believe that intuition is is a very important tool when I compose, and and probably my if you listen well, this is something that I always tell to my students. If you listen well, you want to write logic things. I think that musicality is also about that. Uh, for example, uh, it very frequently, you know, I'm, I'm a professor at the music faculty at the Universidad uh, Nacional Autónoma de México in, in, in Mexico City. And normally, uh, some students start learning music very late. This is something that happens in Mexico. And some of them, I, I, I've been in a, lots of exams, admissions, you know, uh, and, and the students came with a piece that they don't know how to write, but they can sing or they can play. Or sometimes they don't have the knowledge to write their scores, but they have imagination. So how can you, uh, how can you assess a person like that? I mean, if, 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 if this person doesn't show a score. And for me, the way to do that is to listen. I mean, how logic they could think about music. And how uh, and 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 if, for example, they play a piece, I said, oh, play play a piece of yours, or play another piece by Mozart. And if they if their phrases are logic, if they play with certain logic, it's because they listen well. I mean, if you if you sing out of tune and or, or if you you don't have any sense of pulse and your rhythm is totally strange and crazy, it's because you're not listening well. I mean, probably you're, you're you don't have that kind of musicality that you need really if you want to become a musician. So for me, it's important. It's important to listen well. I mean, music has an inner logic. It's just there. 
there's an anecdote that I uh, that I remember when I composed my first uh, percussion concerto, Concierto Candela for for percussion and orchestra. And then I have this friend, uh, composer uh, from Uruguay, Ebert Vasquez, but he lives in Mexico City. And I remember, I mean, he's very, very rational composer and he's always talking about, you know, uh, theoretical procedures and in his music and, 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 and he's a, he's a very, very good uh, music theory uh, writer. So he, he, he told me, I analyzed the, 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 the third movement of your, you know, percussion concerto, and I wrote an article, and it's going to be published in Pauta. Pauta is this music magazine founded by Mario La Vista. And I read the article, and I, I only understood the first page. The rest of the article, I couldn't understand anything about what he was talking about. And I said, oh, this is really crazy. I wrote this piece, but I can't, I can't understand, you know, you, you know, all these theoretical things. And, you know, and he discovered things that I, that I, that believe me, when I was composing the piece, I never thought about that. So that's, that's the job of, you know, the, the music theory people. But it's obviously, it certainly is, uh, is not my job. But you have to combine both procedures. I mean, I mean, when I compose, I use my intuition, but also you have to be rational. I mean, as soon as I get a material, I need resources. I need resources to see how I'm going to develop this material and all the possibilities, the possibilities that I have with this material. So it, it's a combination of both. I mean, Bach is just really a perfect composer in that sense. You're speaking about intuition and you're speaking about logic. And this is a, a bit of a heady question, perhaps. But if we talk about nature and nurture, uh, when you're uh, as a teacher and when you see in your students, you know, this uh, dichotomy of intuition and logic, which one of the two do you find is easier to teach or or which one of those two do you find that that composers tend to have a, sort of in a more natural way does that make sense yeah it makes totally sense and it, and, and and it's a very interesting question i think obviously logic is more easy to teach intuition you cannot teach intuition i mean that's it's it's always when i teach composition the students needs to bring something they need to come to my class with something i cannot give them their ideas it's impossible i mean they have to come with an idea and then with that idea i can help them to develop that idea and i can stimulate their creativity but of course i cannot give them the idea i mean i mean if they don't have anything to express it's it's, it's, it's completely impossible to teach i i think that most people who listen to your music will immediately grasp the fact that you have incredible uh, rhythmic drive and rhythmic interest. Uh, and in a recent podcast that we did with uh, Paquito de Rivera, he spoke about this fact of having rhythm. He spoke about syncopation and feeling syncopation, feeling rhythm. Uh, your pieces, especially the last two pieces that I've done of yours, have significant use of rhythms like mambo, um, like cumbia, uh, and uh, even other kinds of rhythms that are not normally associated with classical music. And you know, people will say, oh, you're so wrong. 
Bernstein wrote a mambo in West Side Story. Yes, he did write a mambo in West Side Story. Uh, but, you know, the truth is the mambo in West Side Story is uh, more like um, Americanized Caribbean mambo. And the way you write mambos uh, or the mambo sections in your pieces shows me that you understand mambo very, very well. And that you write for percussion in a way that makes them sound like they are playing mambo. And I'll just make a, a public uh, statement here, which was, is going to get me into huge trouble. <laughs> but uh, Raul and I, who are conductors, we probably do West Side Story very often. And the mambo in West Side Story, if you play the percussion parts exactly as written will sound like, uh, how can I say, like enchiladas without chili. Okay? <laughs> and and what I do, and this is a, oh my God, so I'm probably going to be sued by somebody, but uh, a, a countryman uh, of, of Raul, who is uh, Fernando Mesa, uh, who is the, the, the percussion coach of the Orchestra of the Americas, in a, in a tour that we had of Central America, which included uh, places where rhythm is so incredible, like Jamaica, like Dominican Republic, where rhythm is life. I said to Fernando, Fernando, I feel kind of ashamed doing the Mambo from West Side Story with these wonderful young percussionists who are trying to play what's written but they know what the mambo is. And he says, oh, no problem. I'll write different parts. So he, he came up with, let's say, Latin American mambo parts for West Side Story, which I, wherever I go, I bring with myself and I very discreetly approach the principal percussionist and I will tell the person I will tell, please excuse me, would you consider using these parts for the mambo? And they always say yes, and they always love it. Now, in your case, I have never had to say to a percussionist, this doesn't sound right. So how did you get this encyclopedic knowledge of writing a cumbia or a mambo so that it sounds both symphonic, but it also sounds like you are in a dance along. Well, and I hope that it sounds uh, Ortiz as well, not only symphonic <laughs> and perfect, but also my own version of those things. Um, you know, uh, it, it comes in a very natural way, uh, Carlos. I mean, I think that I mean, I, I certainly understand your point, but I still love Bernstein's Mambo, by the way. Any, I think it's fantastic, and I, I'm totally fan of West Side Story. Absolutely. I mean, the orchestration is really fantastic, but I agree with you, and I, and, and I certainly uh, understand your point about, about, you know, that the precaution probably is not exactly as the, any Cuban, you know, musician will play, I mean, if they have to play this kind of music. 
But because there's certainly there is something that it comes in a very natural way, and 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 that includes improvisation. And how can you going to write an improvisation part? I mean, it's, it's like in jazz. I mean, sometimes you 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 need to leave certain sections for in 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 a free way because you know improvisation comes right away. It's instant. It's 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 just there, and 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 it happens a lot with percussion music in, in in all this kind of music. I mean, all the breaks and 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 you know. I mean, you can certainly have the basis of those rhythms, but of course. There is always a section that you can improvise. I mean, if you hear Tito Puente play in any mambo, I mean, certainly you have the base of that, but that's, but you know, in the middle of the piece, I mean, he's totally crazy and he starts doing So it's impossible to write that. I mean, it just comes with the adrenaline of playing that kind of music. I mean, in my case, it comes very natural, but of course, I have, you know, my, 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 my masters that behind me and I always ask them. I mean, and, and Ricardo Gallardo from Tambuco. I always ask them, I mean, do you think this is the right rhythm? Of course, I could feel it, but of, uh, certainly when I, when, when I, when I, when I need to write something really accurate and, and, and I always, um, you know, I, I always go to these, you know, uh, percussionists that have both sides. I think that, for example, Ricardo Gallardo from Tambuco is a person that has the ability to read anything, Shenakis, but he also knows folk music a lot and he understands how this music works. So he, he's in, in both worlds. He, he can navigate in, 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 do, in, in these two worlds. So, uh, certainly when I need to consult something, I always ask him, I mean, do you think this is, this is the right way to, to, to write this rhythm? But also my intuition as well. I mean, it's like, like a chef. You don't want to, I mean, you, you want to cook with things that you like, no? with ingredients that you like and then that you identify yourselves with those ingredients. I also compose music with the things that I like. And certainly mambo is one of my favorite rhythms. I mean, Perez Prado, I mean, I have two, you know, big pictures in my studio. One is Stravinsky and the other is Perez Prado. And they are in the same level. I mean, right on my piano. I love Perez Prado. I mean, I, I think he's really a genius and he's fantastic. And I love big band, big band sound. I mean, I, for some reason, you know, I'm totally fan of, of, of the big bands. I think it's a Perfect combination, you know, this combo of brass instruments with a piano and then a full section of percussion, you know, is heaven. And Gabriela, I'm very curious about your work that involves involves collaboration with other art disciplines, other performing arts uh, disciplines. You've written three operas, but you've also worked with dancers. You've worked uh, for films. Has this always been uh, uh, an aspect of your work, this collaborative approach? You know, my brother is a visual artist and he lives in, in Los Angeles and he's a full-time professor at UCSD in San Diego. And with him, I mean, <laughs> we, 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 we have these really weird collaborations. Uh, uh, he did this documentary about the border issues that it's called Frontier Line. So I wrote the music for that uh, for that film. And then one of the craziest things that I ever done was with my brother, you know, because I wrote the music for a lawnmower uh, machine. And, you know, he, 
he deconstructs this, you know, low, uh, low mower, cortadora de pasto. How can I say that in English? Low, low, low. Lawn mower. Aha, uh -huh, low mower, no? Yeah. And he deconstructs this low mower uh, machine into a very weird, you know, piece of art. And he said, well, you know, because I want to produce a video, because this, this machine is going to start dancing, like, you know, all these low riders cars, but he did that instead of using a low rider, he did it with this machine. And, and he said, well, why don't we just, you know, make a video so that I, the people can see how this machine can, can dance and everything, because, you know, it's important, but you, you write the music using all these, you know, low mower sounds. So I went to LA and, and we went to all these, you know, uh, gardeners, obviously Mexican gardeners, you know, and record them and record the sounds. And then I did this, you know, funky dance, you know, just using these low mower sounds. And it was so fun. So, um, you know, these kind of collaborations, I love to do that, that kind of thing. And, and, you know, you can take risks all the time, at least with my brother, he's totally crazy. So every, every time he asks me for, you know, why don't we do a collaboration? I start really shaking and, and huh. you know, and I, oh my God, what, I, what, you know, what, I, what, what are we going to do next? Because he's, he's hilarious and he's totally, you know, very creative, very inventive. And, and, and I, I like, I like to work with him. And so, yes, I, I like to, I like to do these kinds of collaborations. It's, it's, it's a different way to see, you know, things and to take risks in a different level and, it's always very richful and you can always, you know, exchange ideas with other artists and, you, and, and certainly that can enrich my work in a, in a new way. You know, the, uh, going back to this connection with, with uh, rhythm and uh, you'll think that I'm obsessed with rhythm, but, uh, and I am. <laughs> uh, w w one marvelous thing about, about rhythm or, or, kind of um, mysterious thing about rhythm is how uh, even if you write the perfect rhythm uh, even if you write the perfect the, the per you've written exactly what you want a certain musician will play it with flavor and a certain musician will play it with more flavor and some will play it without any kind of flavor uh, and I imagine this is something that you've uh, always uh, found with your music, especially when uh, when this is for orchestras that will play in different places. But uh, the fact that we kind of think that necessarily all Latin Americans will have great rhythm and great feeling, and that maybe you know people from different places will not. But you've had uh, contrasting experiences, which I'd like uh, you to share with us. I remember that. Um, You've shared with me this, I think it was this English pianist. Yes, or this yes, lady it's Scottish. It's Scottish yeah, pianist. Can you share with this? <laughs> yes. No, well, I, I don't know. I mean, Celtic culture probably has a has a connection with Latin America. I don't know how, and I, I, I don't know how to explain that, but it happened to me twice, actually, because it happened to us with the Royal Scottish uh, Symphony when they played hominem. They did a really incredible work and I don't know if you agree with that but the, I think that they understood the rhythmic phrases very well and also when I wrote this piano uh, this uh, 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 percussion concerto uh, con concerto candela was played by the by the Scottish BBC uh, Philharmonic 
in Glasgow and there, there is a section that the piano is very important it, it, because the piano plays like a kind of tumbao, you know, ting, kung, king, king, kong, I, with certain accents and certain syncopation. And it goes in unison with the, with the, with the percussion part. So the piano is very important. And I saw this lady with glasses, very old lady, you know, very <laughs> traditional Scottish lady with, you know, sweater and, uh, you know, the, the typical, <laughs> typical Scottish uh, kilt. And, and I said, Oh my God. <laughs> This is, is going to be a disaster. This old lady, I'm sure that she's not going to, to play this part accurate. And by surprise, in the rehearsal, this old lady started dancing and moving her shoulder with a really great sense of rhythm. I said, Ahsoka, oh my gosh, she's really great. So I was just totally surprised that this lady did a wonderful job. And, and, you know, so you can get those kind of surprises. You know, <laughs> you know it's, this, this story always makes me smile because I see you uh, <laughs> telling it and you're such a fun person to, to talk about <laughs> these things. Uh, I'll share with you uh, both something that happened once in Germany with a very fine orchestra, okay? One of these orchestras that asked you to Uh, play that they want you to do a Latin American program. And that means uh, for them, you know, you can do one program and that's Latin America. Uh, well, you know, I have my own, but this, this was many years ago and I included the La Suite de Mambos, the, the Eugenio Toussaint. Ah, so yes, I, yes. The, and, and, you know, it has a moment where Uh, so I'm gonna do something, and you're gonna you're gonna respond, uh, Raúl and Gabi, and then I'll then I'll explain what exactly happened in the orchestra. Okay, so this is me starting a section. Uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, siete, ocho. Mambo. Boom. Okay. All right. So, this has been a completely unplanned thing, right? We didn't agree on this, right? No, yeah. no, no. It's, no. Okay. Gabriela? No, 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 no. Okay, all right. So, what the musicians, the German musicians have on their, on their music is conductor yells, uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, seis, siete, ocho, and then on beat nine, You're supposed to say, Mambo! Ooh! Uh, yeah? Ooh! Okay. <laughs> so, what happened collectively, okay, is I go, Uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, seis, siete, ocho. Mambo. <laughs> <laughs> so, like four musicians, okay, four or five or six, just read from their music, and they said, Mambo. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter if Bernstein had already done the same thing. They just saw on the paper, Mambo, and they said, Mambo. And I go, oh, no, 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 no. Okay, so then I demonstrated, Mambo, okay? Which was, by the way, uh, <laughs> A, a signature Perez Prado, okay, yes. thing he would do. 
Uh, el cara de foca, they used to call him mm. the... Uh, seal. I don't know. The seal face. Seal face. Uh -huh. Okay, because he's, he, he had no, no neck. Uh, <laughs> so I, I explained to them, to these very serious German musicians, uh, that I explained to them, well, that they were supposed to say, Mom, and from there on, they did it perfectly. And they enjoyed that tremendously, even the who, everything, okay? <laughs> so if you can teach an orchestra in Hamburg to say mambo, then you can also teach an uh, orchestra in El Salvador to play uh, Cosi Fantute, which is opera by Mozart. So I think, Gabriela, you are a perfect example of what we're going through today, which is a marvelous internationalization of music, where Gabriela Ortiz is not a Mexican composer, or she's not, it's not a Mexican female composer. You must be fed up with this. You are a composer, right? And hopefully we will lose adjectives and we will lose the fact that because you're from Mexico, you have to sound uh, or something like that. Okay. It, it, and the reason why I mm -hmm. love programming your works is because they, yes, they remind us of where you're from because of some things, but you have a voice. You have a voice that is your own and that is individual and that is not feminine, masculine, old, young, uh, Mexican-American, or whatever. It's you. And I don't know how you found that voice, but I'm just happy that you have that voice. And I, I will always be one of those people who's going to be asking you to write things if, if, we can, if we can afford it, if we can manage it, because you have found what Revueltas found. Um, and by the way, I think you, you Revueltas captured Mexican feeling in a way that nobody of his time even did, because he captured uh, the corner of Bellas Artes uh, in Esquinas. He also captured itinerarios. He also captured the sadness of the of uh, homenaje a Garcia Lorca, or he captured uh, Afro-Cuban poetry with Sensemaya in a way that is so, so unique. But so I, unique. I really think you have captured this. You are at, at a moment in your life, in your career, where you have so much to give and so much to say. I'm proud to have been part of this. And I'm proud to say that the Orchestra of the Americas had you as, as our uh, resident uh, uh, composer very recently. Uh, so I, I, I don't mean to, to just like, say nice things about you but really i don't have anything but nice things to say about you because whenever you come with an orchestra you get a huge applause whenever you come with a a, a new piece it is a success and uh, raul this you don't know but uh, gabriela has written two percussion concertos and the second one uh is 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 called voltaje and it is for uh, basically timpani with different things 
in especially in the middle in the middle uh, movement with the tuned Chinese gongs that are placed on top of timpani, just beautiful piece written for uh, Gabriela Jimenez and the Orquesta de Mineria. This was such a success, such a success musically and visually that a great Mexican cinematographer uh, is uh, incorporated it into his uh, into his uh, uh, movie is Carlos Regadas and Carlos decided to come to our rehearsals in Bellas Artes and the concert and film this piece film this piece directly and he was filming himself within inches from the timpani or within inches from my face and in his last movie there is a long scene of this uh, wonderful piece by Gabriela Ortiz. Very Gabriela, what what did you think about that? And have you seen the film, by the way? Yes, the film. No, yes, I saw the film, and and it's just fantastic. And actually, you, we we um, we we spoke, um, Carlos Regadas and myself, about uh, producing because he he. I mean, obviously, there is only a fragment of the concerto in the film. But uh, we want to produce a whole, you know, uh, the documentary incorporating the whole piece, you know, no, filmed by, by Carlos Regadas. I think it was a really fantastic opportunity. And, and thanks to you, Carlos, because, you know, not, not, not any conductor could say, OK, you know, uh, take the cameras and the, and, the, and, the, and, 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 and the cinematographer, I mean, right off the stage and do the film and at the same time as the concerto happens and which is actually what we did. I mean, we, ha we had all these, you know, the, we had the regadas and the cinematographer actually shooting the concerto uh, in, 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 a, in, in real time. And, 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 and it was very cool. And, 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 and because of that, you know, we had shots that they are just incredible. I mean, the pedals of the, of the, 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 the of, of the timpani and it's, it's just really fantastic. I think it's also a mission of us, uh, Latin American conductors because our, our continent is, uh, put into a little box. Um, and, uh, that little box is, is sometimes uh, so restrictive, uh, you know, you are Costa Rican, Gustavo is Venezuelan, Christian is Venezuelan, or, or whatever, Miguel Carpedoya is from, from Peru, I'm from Mexico, there's so many uh, people, but we're, we're all doing Beethoven, and we're all doing Brahms, and, and we, we all love all this kind of music, and uh, the truth is that I think uh, that there's been a very interesting opening. Uh, I think maybe in great part, thanks to, um, to El Sistema and to Maestro Abreu and, and, and his great uh, star student, uh, Gustavo Dudamel, that, that raised the, the, the awareness of uh, Latin American uh, orchestral playing in the world but hopefully this will continue because uh, we have been in the waiting in the wings for too long, uh, and the, the, it's 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 necessary that we let the world know about the quality of this the work. Are there any 
projects, uh, works you're working on currently that we can look forward to in the uh, coming years that you are particularly excited about? Well, now I'm, I'm very excited because finally I'm, I'm writing a piano concerto. I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to call piano concerto because if I call it like that, it's like you have all this huge tradition behind you. But, you know, the piano is my instrument. And finally, uh, I'm not fear. <laughs> I, I always felt like, oh, no, I write a piano piece and ignoring, you know, what is in the repertoire. <sighs> no, you have, a, you know, just, you know, thinking about, you know, all these, you know, uh, Russian composers, Prokofiev, Shostakovich, and then, you know, uh, you know, thousands of wonderful examples of you know, piano, great piano concertos. But I'm doing my, 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 my piano concerto and I'm very excited. It's, it's going to be played next year, uh, hopefully. I mean, if this situation normalizes, uh, gets normal, uh, with the Orchestra de Bretagne in, in, in France, in, in Rennes. And I'm very excited with this, you know, new project. And this is what I'm working right now. In, and, and then I have another commission with the Cincinnati Orchestra. And always we have, few things in you know in with Carlos always I mean I'm, I'm always scared about you know Carlos is gonna come with a really crazy yeah. idea so <laughs> I always you know have a place for that you know last time we, we, we did Anthropolis and you know I mean just imagine Gabriela why don't you write for two timpani 13 percussionists and and, and <laughs> an orchestra <laughs> I said what you know, 13 percussionists because you know, and two timpani players and an orchestra. Carlos, I'm going to. <laughs> this is kind of. <laughs> Yet she wrote a piece that became a sensation and it had a standing ovation at Carnegie Hall. Yeah, we did. I mean, I did that. Of course, I negotiated with Carlos and I only used four percussionists because 13 <laughs> was too much. I said, well, it's going to be like a huge batucada or something like that. I mean, it's. <laughs> But no, but certainly I always, when we have really always, you know, ideas behind and, 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 and I love to collaborate with Carlos because he always comes with these crazy things. And, and for me, it's really, really great. I mean, things that I, I've never expected. And, and, you know, Anthropolis came because of that. I always have this idea, oh, I'm going to write something about, you know, all these, you know, club, dance clubs in Mexico City. And suddenly I said, oh, this is a perfect opportunity to do that and to pay homage to all these crazy places that I, you know, that I always wanted to do something about it. So, I mean, certainly with Carlos, there is always something in the horizon. This has been a wonderful, wonderful podcast because we interviewed a wonderful composer and a warm, wonderful human being. Thanks to the Orchestra of the Americas, which is a fantastic project. And thanks, Raul, for inviting me. And Carlos, always my, my gratitude to all that you have done for my music. I am Carlos Miguel Prieto. And I'm Raul Gomez. Talk to you soon. Soundpost is a production of the Orchestra of the Americas group with additional support provided by MYS Portland. Visit theoagroup.org backslash soundpost to learn more.